From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. Welcome to Highway 89. I'm Mark Waite, and today we have the Aspen Winds Wind Quintet with us in Studio 6, comprised of flutist Sally Humphreys, oboist Luca de la Florin, bassoonist Luke Vile, Amy Gabbitus, clarinet, and Anita Miller Horn. And the first six pieces we're going to hear revolve around the sesquicentennial of the Transcontinental Railroad and the driving of the Golden Spike. And so first we're going to hear a song written by Luke File, the bassoonist, called Surmounting Every Barrier. The Great Transcontinental Railroad truly surmounted every barrier. It crossed great plains, huge rivers, vast deserts, and towering mountains. If you were to travel from one end of the country to another, by stagecoach or by wagon, it could take more than four months. With the new train, you could make the trip in less than one week. It took many people to build the railroad, investors, surveyors, and engineers. But most important were the workers who actually laid the track. These thousands of men came from all over the world, and they brought their music with them from Ireland, from China, and the plantations of the Deep South. came to America fleeing starvation and disease. These new Irish Americans joined the Union Army during the Civil War out of loyalty to their new home. After 
the war, these veterans worked on the railway. The work was hard, and the, but the music kept their spirits up. Irish songs often told funny stories like Jerry Go and Oil That Car. Workers from China came to America to help build the new railroad. They were often given the most dangerous jobs and they lived underground in the tunnels where they worked. At first, the Irishmen viewed them with suspicion. But over time, they developed a mutual sense of trust and respect. By the time the railroad was finished, there were more workers from China than anywhere else. They would have known and sung the drum song of Feng Yang, one of the most popular folk songs in China. After the Civil War, freed slaves found themselves little better off than before. With no work to be found, they ended up working the land of their former masters, who paid them in crops, which bound them to the land because no matter how hard they worked, they would never get out of debt, and the railroad offered a different choice. You see, the railroad paid its workers in cash, which gave them a chance to move away, and this allowed them to build new lives for themselves and their families. Like the popular song said, when you marry, marry a railroad man, every Sunday, a dollar in your hand. incredible feat changed the destiny of America.
the railroad could transport goods across the land and took travelers far away to start their lives anew. At the same time, it fractured many native lands and destroyed some cultures. The new railroad was considered a wonder of the modern world. Poet Walt Whitman said, I see the locomotives rushing and roaring through the grandest scenery in the world, tying the eastern to the western sea, surmounting every barrier. Surmounting Every Barrier by Luke File, the bassoonist of our group, the Aspen Winds, who are in the studio with us today. And Luke, we've just heard him doing his bit of the narration, so he's already here at the conversation microphone with me. Luke, how did you get involved with the sesquicentennial of the Golden Spike, the driving of the Golden Spike? Actually, our group got a grant to be part of the Spike 150 program, and they commissioned this piece. And why did you get involved? Do you have a personal connection? Some people are just into trains and some aren't. What it, is it the history of the building of the railroad or is it just trains in general that, that appeal to you? Well, a little of both. The history of the railroad is really important this year, of course. But um, my grandfather and my uncle both worked on railroads. My brother was a railroad man as well, president of a railroad back east. Um, how has writing this work, surmounting every barrier, made you feel more connected to the actual workers? Because that's primarily about the people who broke their backs making it. Oh, definitely. I think any time you do a lot of research, you feel closer to the subject. And uh, finding out the kinds of music that these men listened to and the work that they did really made a strong impression on me. And that's what we're about to hear next is three pieces that are representing the three different groups. You want to talk about Irish Jig, Chen Yi Zhang songs, and Summerland? Tell us about those. Certainly. These, are, these also represent the cultures that these workers um, had, and these are more modern pieces. Uh, the Chen Yi Zhang songs, Chen Yi is a Chinese a woman composer from China, and this is sort of a mashup of two of the the folk songs that she's used. The Irish jig is an Irish jig. We all recognize that when we hear it. And then the Summerland, representing the the freed slaves. Yes, Summerland was written by William Grant Still, an African-American composer who is the grandson of a slave and uh, one of the first really well-educated composers of African-American descent here in the United States. Now, this begs the question for me, Irish jig, how do they find the time or the energy to do a jig after they've been swinging a hammer all day? Well, I think often they sang familiar songs, and 
when they had some energy in the evening, danced familiar dances that they brought with them from especially the Appalachia region and then the, um, the East Coast where they'd settled. All right, well, let's hear these three songs, uh, Irish Jig, some traditional melodies, the Chen Yi Zhang songs, and Summerland by William Grant Still. Thank you. 
Performance by the Aspen Winds Quintet here on Highway 89. We just heard three ethnic groups representing the uh, people who worked on the Transcontinental Railroad, which is celebrating its 150th uh, anniversary this year, Irish Jig, Chen Yi Zhang Songs, and finally Summerland by William Grant Still. Joined now by the uh, clarinetist and founder, Amy Gabbitas. Hi, Amy. Hi. Why did you start this group? What does uh, it take to get a group like this off the ground? Um, It takes knowing the right people, really. We've gone through several personnel. I'm the only one left from the original members. Um, we've all met at various gigs throughout Utah and wanted to play together. We all have a, a great love for wooden quintet music, and we've had lots of experience over the years playing in different groups, and it's worked out nicely that we can play together here. Good. Uh, we're going to hear two pieces coming up, City of Kindling by Marden Pond and Tool Ultima by Stephen Montague. There's a story. There's some history. We're continuing with pioneer history. Tell us about City of Kindling. Well, City of Kindling, first of all, we were lucky to work with the uh, Salty Cricket um, Composer Consortium this year, and they um, got Marden Pond to write this piece for us, which we're re really grateful for. It's kind of an adaptation of a piece he had written before, and this one represents a piece of Utah history where Johnson's Army was coming into Utah, and they weren't sure, the pioneers weren't sure what was going to happen when the Army got here. So Brigham Young had the people in Salt Lake lay down kindling. They had fires ready to be lit in the case of the Army decided to invade the city. Luckily, they kept marching and went right past it onto um, you know, past the valley completely. But if they had come into the city, the plan was to burn down the housings. I had no idea that the pioneers <laughs> had a scorched earth policy. They, I didn't know that either until Martin told us about it when we were working on this piece. I guess you can always rebuild, but that's a man, mammoth effort, a monumental yeah. effort to rebuild uh, the city that was already starting to thrive. Right, and they even had to cover up the foundation of the temple. It hadn't really been built yet, but they had started the foundation, so they completely covered that field as well. And then we're going to hear Tool Ultima by Stephen Montague. Now, this is not exactly Mozart, from what I understand. You're going to no, challenge us. It is. We are going to challenge you. This is a piece we, um, so we do school shows just about every week. And the pieces you've heard today, we do on the school show. This is the piece when we introduce it, we say it's okay to laugh at classical music. Sometimes we take ourselves a little bit too seriously. This one, if you find yourself chuckling, it's completely appropriate. Is there a story? What, what are we hearing? Um, this, we kind of threw on the program, one, because of its entertainment value. And also, if you listen to it, it kind of sounds a little bit like train noises. So you're going to hear um, alternative sounds coming from our instruments. The sounds we've <laughs> never heard from a exactly. wind quintet. All right, let's hear uh, first City of Kindling by Marden Pond. And then we're going to have our sensibilities stretched a little bit, uh, horizons expanded as to what music can be with Stephen Montague's Tool Ultima. This is Highway 89.
just one performance of Tool Ultima by Stephen Montague and the musical landscape has been altered forever. We'll never be the same. <laughs> that was preceded by City of Kindling by Marden Pond. You're listening to Highway 89. We've got the Aspen Winds Quintet and now we're joined by Sally Humphreys, flutist. Uh, Sally, you work with a lot of musical outreach programs at schools, as mentioned. That you, that's one of the pieces you take. Tell us about your work in the schools. We have had such a good time. We have been playing pretty much every Tuesday morning as our regular time to go visit the schools through Arts Incorporated and also through Nova Chamber Music Series. Is this the whole K through 12, or are you primarily working with elementary kids? Really K through 12, but mostly elementary school kids is what we've been uh, working with this year. And what is their response? Is just is a chance to get out of class, or are you able to really engage them? And how do you do that? Well, it's so fun to see their faces. We have been to a lot of schools where these kids really don't know these instruments. They might know the flute. They probably know the clarinet. But the bassoon and the oboe are really quite foreign to them. And so they... We just love seeing their very interested faces. And I think when we start to play and they see part of, part of what we're trying to communicate to them is the, the uh, fun that we have playing together, the, the wonderful um, camaraderie that we have through chamber music, and try to get them to take up an instrument of their own and play with their friends. That's what chamber music is, is a conversation between friends. More broadly speaking, what does music do for the developing mind? Do you have thoughts on that? I think it's interesting. At the end of our school shows, we we try to have time for questions. And the questions that come from the children are very, very interesting. Some of them are, I think, actually, at every school we've had, why do you play music? And... We talk about that, uh, the, the love of the sound. The, each individual sound has drawn the instrument to us, I think, and us to the instrument. And um, we, we definitely feel like, like playing music expands the mind and um, gets these kids to understand that they can work together. All right. Well, we're ready for our final uh, block of music, Amanda Harburg's Fantasia and Cabaletta, and the second movement of the quintet number three by David Maslanka. Thanks uh, for joining us, Sally Humphreys, flutist, and we're going to now hear the Aspen Winds Quintet on Highway 89.
And so concludes our performance from the Aspen Wind Quintet with the second movement of David Maslanka's Quintet Number no. 3, and before that, Amanda Harburg's Fantasia and Caballetta. The Aspen Winds comprised of Sally Humphreys' flute, Luca de la Florin oboe, Luke Vile bassoon, Amy Gabbitas clarinet, and Anita Miller horn. We're very glad to have had them here in Studio 6 with us today. If you just got part of the show and want to listen again or share it with a friend, it's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. I'm Mark Waite, producer and engineer, with assistant producer Christina Jorgensen and help from Eric Bird and Lauren Neff. Thanks for listening.